Hey everybody, welcome to the Green Architects Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Briley. And I'm your host, Phil Kaplan. Hi, Chris. Hi, Phil. How you doing? I'm doing great today. How about yourself? Man, really good. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Uh, special treat today, Phil. Yes. Uh, we've got a, a guest uh, with us, Pat Coon. Hi, I'm Pat. Hi, Pat. Hey, How Pat. are you? Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> and he's here because he's a specialist uh, with, with solar. I'm the solar guy. Among other things. Among other things. Yeah. He's a solar guy for us, but... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we're going to be talking about solar hot water. Yeah. So how, how, well, what a great How business. convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Pat is, uh, Pat's company is, uh, is Provision Energy. And why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and Provision Energy. So I started Revision Energy 10, 15 years ago. And um, back before solar was cool, uh, oil was, I want to say, 85 cents a gallon wow. back in those days. Mm-hmm. Nobody really cared and um except for you except for me and i just made a lot of mistakes and fixed them and then by the time i fixed all most of my mistakes solar was cool all right so (laughs) you've been through yeah i had good timing so now we've got um a bunch of crews and we do a lot of commercial work and residential work and um and by a lot you mean like about half of State of solar hot water installs in Maine. Yeah, we do about half of this, the work in in the state of Maine, and we've got that's impressive. Four or five crews doing solar hot water all the time. Fantastic. Yep. Okay. Sounds like an expert in the truest sense of the word. Okay, but the best thing about Pat yes. is that he brings beer. Thanks, Pat. Cheers. 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 So our cocktail for the episode is actually wait. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's homebrew. It's a homebrew. It's, it's not just any beer. It's a Belgian style. It's Belgian white. Does it have and, a name, Pat? Uh, it's the Two Tinkers. The Two Tinkers. The Two Tinkers. Tell us. Uh, those are my, so my kids, um, Elena's two, and she doesn't fully enunciate yet. So yeah. uh, my, my wife called the two kids the Two Stinkers, <laughs> and, and that became the Two Tinkers. <laughs> so then Two Tinkers homebrew. She was worried. She was going to think she was going to beep something. Like, no, it's it. cool. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. So, uh, all right. Let's get to it. Yeah. Solar hot so water. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about solar hot water. So let's talk about the, the first question, Pat. Oh, people we, say solar. I, I just remember. I, I have to interrupt you. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I, I was supposed to do uh, announcements at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tell uh, us. Yeah. Green building advice. I have a special... Wait. This just in. Wait. Sheila just handed me something. This just in. We've been picked up by the Green Building Advisor. Oh, those are lame sound effects. We're going to do some editing. All right. No, uh, seriously, folks, the Green Building Advisor, uh, which you can find at greenbuildingadvisor.com, has picked us up for a couple of episodes, and we're going to see how it goes. Yeah, we're excited. We're big fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, And so uh, you guys, the best part is you can join in on the conversation. You can uh, go to the blogs section. And you can click on the Design Matters blog and where you'll find us. And after you listen to this podcast, you can hop in there and uh, tell us where we went wrong and give your own two cents because you guys are all brilliant. Most of you. 
some of you are real slackers, but most of you are real brilliant guys doing great work and, and green stuff. So I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Phil, but I, that had to be done, uh, or otherwise I'd totally forget. After That's a few okay. Weeks I'm sure and, it wasn't important. I'm yeah. just going to go back to my corner here. Okay. okay. Can, I, can, can I come back? <laughs> no, you yeah, have valuable contributions. Yeah, it, yeah, it's okay. We'll let you talk now. Okay, I'll crawl back out. Okay, Phil. All right, so the first question, Pat, when people say, hey, I want, I want solar on my house, you know, it's not – quite that simple I and mean, it kind of is to us but there's a couple different kinds of solar right you got your solar electricity yep. and your solar thermal right solar electricity makes electricity yes <laughs> <laughs> and solar thermal makes heat usually for hot water but you can use it in certain applications for space heat mm -hmm. gotcha so uh so that gets that out of the way and we can get into sort of the nitty-gritty um there's also we've got clients who are like what are those uh what are those tubes because there's plates and there's tubes so we're, we're, we're not doing PV panels. That's a different podcast. So now we're down to the basically uh, plates and tubes. Where are the tubes, Pat? What is that, what is that funkiness? Uh, tubes. So the oldest technologies, of, I'll start with those that are flat plates. Sure. And they're just insulated boxes with copper absorbers and copper tubes. The sun comes in usually through a single pane of glass. Sun comes in, turns to heat. That heat hits the, the absorber. The absorber transfers the heat to the the antifreeze typically that runs through the tube in the flat plate panel. Uh, very simple, very um, relatively inexpensive technology. They, the benefits of the flat plate technology, one, one nice thing about them is there's very little to go wrong, no vacuum to fail. Ah. Um, they take up relatively little space on the roof. They're, where they don't shine quite so well is... Um, as they heat up, as they become hotter than the ambient air around them, mm -hmm. they lose energy to the to oh, the environment. Just, they just radiate it out. They radiate heat out. But that's good for melting snow in those cases where you have half the plate covered with um, snow. Yes. And it, it becomes quite... The, the design... Well, let me talk a little bit about the tubes, but then... Okay. Usually people ask the question is, you know, are you guys, are you guys tubes? Are you guys plates? And it's like, there's religion around this. Like, yeah. Hmm. Like I, I get that. You're I'm a tube that. guy. I'm a plate guy. Yeah. So which are you? I'm, 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 I'm an agnostic. Well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. That's when it it's, it's really a design question and, and there's clear, well, I shouldn't say there's clearly, there's a lot of places where, where we'll conflict and the designers in our company will will you know people will take a look at a project and they'll say they'll bat things back and forth and sometimes you know two designers in the same company will land in different places and you'll look at the numbers and you'll look at all the issues and you'll just disagree interesting. Um, but Very often, interesting so what percentage uh do you use of flat plates and which percentage do you use the evacuated tubes i would say on residential projects we're probably 75% tubes mm, okay. and on commercial projects we're probably like uh, 75 or 90% flat plates. Now, now why is that? I'm curious. Um, a couple of reasons. One, where the tubes, let, let me let me skip back again oh, yeah. and what are talk tubes? about the Tell tubes. Me, what are those things? Those... So there's they're usually about seven feet long. Mm -hmm. um, glass tubes, usually two layers of glass. Some of them have one layer of glass mm -hmm. and inside that evacuated tube and on the two layers of glass the two layers of glass have a vacuum between them like a thermos like a thermos yeah. it keeps the heat in um, sunlight goes into that vacuum surface lets the 
the heat gets converted into this, the light gets converted to heat in an absorber, yeah. similar to the evacuate to the flat plate, and then inside a copper tube, then there's um, water vapor that's also under a vacuum boils at about 85 degrees. That steam, that low temperature steam, rises into a bulb. That bulb then has antifreeze or some heat transfer medium that pulls the heat away. Like so, a, like a long box at the top of the a manifold, a manifold yeah. frame. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. So, the benefits of the evacuated tube. There's a number of them. Um, they're modular, so they're easy to carry. You can carry one component at a time. You don't. You don't have to carry a big, two hundred pound, right, or hundred pound flat plate up. Mm -hmm. um, the tubes, when they get hot, mm -hmm. they don't let the heat out to the environment. So they work better when the ambient, the temperature differential between the, what you're trying to heat and the outdoors is great. So they work better in the middle of winter. They work better in cloudy conditions. Ah, mm -hmm. um, the other, in terms of installation, flat plates are much happier being flush mounted. Whereas evacuated tubes are much easier to elevate off the roof. Right. Ah, right. right. And you have to have some sort of particular angle. Yeah. What, what are you shooting for for each of these for angle? Well, it's not quite that. It's not quite that clear cut. Okay. Um, you know, the the ideal angle is often forty five degrees if you're looking to maximize. Here in Maine. Here yeah. in Maine. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. This is broadcast. That's right. Nation. This Nation is one. worldwide. In, no, international. Worldwide. I've worldwide. got an email from web. someone from Canada, so. No kidding. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not from Paris. They, yeah. keep, they keep hunting us down. We can't read it. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah we have no idea what they're saying. Right. <laughs> we think but with they all like those you. exclamation points, I think they're excited. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so the first time I held one of these tubes, I just like to tell this story because it, it kind of conveys what how they work. But, you know, I was helping... Um, a friend who was part of a trade show, you know, loading out these tubes from the back of his van just as a little demonstration thing at a booth or something like that. And it was a nice, bright, sunny day, perfect for that. But, you know, I take it from this cold, dark van, and I'm helping him pull it out. He's like, hey, you want to, you want to feel how these things work? And he just, like, tips his end down. He says, just grab hold of that bulb at the end. And I grab hold of that copper bulb, and it goes from stone cold to, like, too hot that I can't even hang on to it anymore in, like, 10 seconds. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, Wow. And that, that's when I had the epiphany of, wow, so that's how this... Does this really work? This tube really works. Really really works. Really does. You can never steal one of these things. You'd grab one and <laughs> run away from it, and suddenly you'd have to scream and drop it. Well, well, ah, well just busted. the end. Just the just, end. Yeah. Just that bulb. Which is the whole thing. It's like all that energy gets concentrated to that bulb that gets plugged in. It's pretty, right. pretty cool. All right. So back, yeah, so back to the angles. Very interesting. You're saying a typical 12-12 pitch would be... Or in France, it would be... 12 meter by 12 meter. <laughs> I think it's yeah. the same. But, but it, it, you know, here in New England, you see those all the time. It's not a big deal design-wise to get something that works really ideally. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the, the flatter the roof, the more you're biasing for summertime production. And the steeper the roof, the more you're biasing towards wintertime production. So you have to ask yourself, when do I want the heat that this is going to generate? If your if your system's designed for space heating, you really want to elevate up past forty five degrees. Sixty in this latitude is is a nice place to be for space heating. If your main goal, if you're a restaurant and you're trying to get, mm -hmm. you've got a lot of tourists in the summer. Well, forty five degrees is too steep because when you really want the heat is in the middle of summer, so you're gotcha. you're flatter. Oh, I see. The other question question is. 
what's the it, what's the pitch of the roof? Flat plates are really much happier flush mounted because there's wind loading issues. As soon as you elevate them up, you're creating a sail. I always, I always thought it was because like the back side is now insulated, or it's the other side is uh, you know the house as opposed to the outside ambient air temperature. You might lose a little bit, but for but me the real the issue is is the wind. Is the wind. And you can you can design around it, but it's it's a design issue. You wouldn't want to lag, take a lag bolt into a rafter and and have and hope that that's going to keep the panel from blowing off in a ninety mile an hour wind, which right. is what we designed for. Yeah, and it's sort of a, a little tangent, but it's kind of important to us as architects. It's nice to have these things, the opportunity to have these things integrated with the roof. Yeah, so, you know, so. or designed instead of just slapped on, which oftentimes they look that way even if, you know, yeah. even when they are designed for, you know. But. Well, either integrate them into the roof or put them in a roof that isn't as visible. Mm -hmm. right. And we've got lots of beautiful houses that have solar in the back. You never see it, literally never see it. Um, but if you do see it, you want it to look like it. It was supposed somebody meant to put it there. Mm -hmm. So how much? So how much energy should I be like trying to take care of? Like, um, like a you know, a client comes to me and says, "How much? You know, how much solar should I put on there?" Because there's sort of like a point of diminishing returns with solar hot water, is there not? Yeah. Well, okay. The first <laughs> thing is to think about. A lot of people see it as the panacea. Like I'm just going to do solar hot water, and I've had I've had many many really depressing conversations with clients, and they say I, I want solar, and you go out. I remember one many years ago, and it was in construction, and they had two by six walls, and they were throwing fiberglass in it, and they wanted solar, and I was like, well, have you considered you know doing a better wall? Mm -hmm. No, I'm just going to do solar, and I'll use that solar. Can I heat my house with solar? Can I? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, but it's a really bad place to look for your the thermal energy to heat your house. The numbers just don't, for most houses, they don't work. So it's really important that a lot of other things, if, you're, if your budget's tight and you can't afford to do the, the wall now and you want to do solar, you're crazy. Do the wall now and rough in your piping for the solar and do that later. But you, you, you've, we just renovated a... We moved into a 1920s brick house, and mm -hmm. it's cold in there, and we mm -hmm. started renovating and busting down walls and re-insulating. And in that process, I realized that my wall that I was ripping down is 88 years old. Like, mm -hmm. that's how long walls last. Do you know how long do walls last, in, typically? Well, like, like I remember uh, being told that we should have a design time of 50 years, mm -hmm. but I think if you told that to someone in Europe or Germany, they'd laugh because, you know, that's... I mean, there, there are Japanese wood structures that are over a thousand years old. Yeah. I mean, the same timbers and everything up there that have just been, like, hardened by smoke and all that jazz. And they've just been well-protected, well-cared for, and they can always dry out. They're really old. So. And how often do they yank out the plaster and rewire? And... Oh, they don't have plaster. No, I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know those, yeah. those houses. But, uh, but the point is that yeah. wall is there for a long time. Yes. And, and it kills me when I see, especially new construction, people not do as good a job as they can on the wall and think that solar is going to Oh, yeah. Do it yeah it's we hardening to hear that coming from a renewal supplier, really, Pat. That's well, well, yeah, it is. Yeah, because they're always like, you know, just put more of my stuff up there and, and we'll get it done. Yeah. But uh, so like, so would would... If I were, if I came to you and said I just want to take care of domestic hot water, because yeah. that that's like on the typical household. I mean, that represents about twenty five percent of the energy. Uh, in I've Maine, heard, a yeah. little less. Yeah, in Maine, probably a little less. But, yeah. But in terms of you know the amount of uh, you know household consumption, 
right there, hot water. And, and so, I mean, is that like a reasonable goal, do you think? Is that's like a good bang for the buck? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and you can, I mean, this, the takeaway message is enough energy lands on your roof, most roofs, to heat your water. Not enough energy lands in your roof in the wintertime to heat your house. You can We can heat our hot water with the amount of energy that lands on, on the roof, no problem. Right, yeah. I, usually my clients, when we're talking about solar hot water, they seem to think, I'm going to do solar hot water, so that's that's the system and then we'll just have a backup and when really uh so hot water usually is in tandem with some other if, if you're doing space heating or something else you have another system for heating. yeah and even for for domestic you, you right, need a backup yeah. as well right. but in terms of sizing this is really important in in the design phase is you want to size a system that six months of the year does virtually 100 percent of the load when you have the sun you want to do virtually 100% of the load. One of the most common mistakes is people undersize systems. And it turns out the economics really go against you for a number of reasons. The, the most important one is you've run your pipes, you've gotten somebody on the roof, you put in a tank, and to make a system that's twice as big might cost 20% more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're actually using that energy six months of the year, mm -hmm. you're at 100% for six months of the year, it's money much, much better spent. The other issue is, particularly when they're high mass boilers, mm -hmm. so an oil boiler that takes, that's, you know, 400 pounds of steel, yeah, yeah. they work really inefficiently in the non-heating season. The thermal efficiency of a, of a high mass boiler is about 20%. That they're, means, they're cycling on and off, and they've, they've got this mass that's got to heat up. And yeah, and then that heat all goes up the chimney. As right. soon as the boiler shuts mm -hmm. off, it starts sending heat up the chimney. Yeah. So the, the loss is fixed. So most oil boilers in Maine lose about three-quarters of a gallon a day just up the chimney. Hmm. Now, you're heating your house. You accept that loss. That's a relatively small percentage of the whole. But if you're only heating hot water, it's a huge percentage of the whole. Right. And if you can shut that boiler off for six months of the year, you're you've saved tons of energy. And so that becomes a really important design criteria. How big do, do I need to make the system to really shut the oil boiler off six months of the year? Right. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell the story. This is one of the, you know, so I made a lot of mistakes and I learned from them. That's how oh, I yeah, yeah. did That's pretty how much it. everything. I, oh, yeah. You, you've been there? No, I've been, yeah. no, no, I've never. No, I've never, no. no, no. Just, <laughs> except for all those mistakes. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was it. We don't talk about those. Right. Never, never look back. Never look back. But I had, the, no. when, I, when I realized this was, I had clients, one summer I had three clients call up and say, you saved us 300 gallons of oil. And we said, you're crazy. Our system only produces the equivalent of like 100 gallons of oil mm -hmm. in the year. And we, they sent us their bills. And sure enough, we'd saved them 300 gallons of oil. And we looked at each of the systems. They were all the same. We had cold started their boilers and ripped out the existing tank that they had and put in a dual coil tank. Instead mm -hmm. of two tanks, they had just one tank. And we had aggressively sized their system, their big systems, so that literally the boiler was off for six months of the year. And and that's critical because that's when the boiler's working at its lowest efficiency. Right. And so, so that's where you can gain the, the most. And in the winter where it, where you're not gonna you're not gonna make it up with the solar, that boiler's on all the time. The anyway, boiler's on so. anyway. You're just you're just supplementing at that point. Gotcha. A BTU produced is a BTU saved. Nice. Right. We're going to use that. That's all good. The time. All right. So, Pat, walk us through uh, sort of a, a typical installation. Say, family of four. Yeah. 
Yeah, but in this climate, in the New England climate, generally, uh, what am what am I looking at? You know, how how, how big is this system? Yep. And also, well, you know, what kind of loads does it handle, and, and what's the cost? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to get real. Okay, so the first thing we look at is the roof. Do they have a south-facing roof? Is it within forty-five degrees of solar south? Mm-hmm. And forty-five degrees. There's some loss with 45 degrees, but it's not that significant. Yeah, it's about, about 5%, and, and it starts getting higher from there. We've done due west-facing roofs and just added more collector. And, and does that have to do with the, are the flat plates better than the tubes? When you start getting off solar south more, the tubes, you start weighing into tubes mm-hmm. because the tubes are have spaces between them, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and uh, the sunlight can hit. Um, imagine a tube and the sunlight coming in at an angle. The sun sees you can tweak, more of the Can tube. you tweak the angle of the tube, too? Some of the out. tubes have are directional. Yeah. Uh, Sunda, I believe. And others, most aren't. Okay. So, okay, so you look for the south-facing roof. You look for a roof that doesn't have shade mm-hmm. for uh, at least 10 months of the year. You don't want to have any shade. If there's shade in the winter when there isn't as much sun, again, your your system might not be at 100% efficiency, but it might be close enough. Okay, so then um, the average person uses about 20 gallons a day in hot water. Wow. So more people, bigger systems. We use, as a rule of thumb, 20 gallons of thermal storage per person as well. Mm -hmm. And we try to create that much energy or more with the collectors that we choose. So for for the average family of four, say, they would need either two uh, four by eight flat plate collectors mm-hmm. or um, two 30 tube collectors, the f- which are about seven by seven feet gotcha. of, of actual yeah. dimension. Okay. So about a hundred square feet on your, on yeah, your on roof. roof. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, in terms of cost, it's going to cost something like between 10 and $12,000 um, of equipment or fully installed yeah. that would be labor and equipment pre-rebate breaks, pre-rebate and that mm-hmm. breaks about about half and half is labor we can install a system in about 35 45 hours depending on you know how the pipe run and the roof and all that um, in Maine we currently have I think it's a $1,500 state rebate and there's a 30% federal, federal. tax credit mm-hmm. So those those help out. It brings the cost down to somewhere between six and eight thousand um, dollars after incentives. If I had a client who, because I've I've had clients who are kind of disappointed when we start talking about solar hot water, and they realize I'm only really talking about taking care of twenty five percent. Yeah. Whereas you know when they started, they thought I'm going to take care of yeah, all exactly. this. I'm going to be off the exactly. grid. It's going to be beautiful, but you know then reality strikes and all that. So. <clears throat> Uh, if I decided, hey, I want to do more. If I had a client who's just like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, I want to put more up there. I want to, I want to, then, then I usually say, okay, now we're into space heating. It's a different beast. There's more complexity, you know, downstairs in the basement in terms yeah. of your equipment and the distribution. And uh, so when that happens, what happens to the cost? Or wh- what are you looking at for these proportions? I mean, because well, I have, that's a difficult conversation to have. Because it, it's quite complex. The, 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 the first things we say to people are, don't even think about space heating unless, one, you're really doing a good job insulating your house. Yeah. And the things that need to come before solar space heat are, I'd say, R40 walls at a minimum. Nice. Very H- nice. Yeah. HRV, 
definitely before. Right. So getting the loads down and is... Air sealing. Air In fact, sealing. I'll, I'll throw Martin Holiday, uh, who's on the Green Building Advisor. Uh, if you go to greenbuildingadvisor.com, they've got a great... Uh, you know the food pyramid. They've got the uh, <laughs> they've got the uh, uh, um, energy uh-huh. renovation pyramid, or, yeah. or even the. I just saw that. Yeah, the it's, other just, day. it's wonderful. Yeah, it's I'm, fun. I'm going to steal that slide and credit Martin and use it all my presentations, or whatever, because it's really great. Because it illustrates that point. It's yeah. like, you know, you want to you want to run right up there and have the filet mignon, you know, which is your solar panels. But really, there's a lot of rice and vegetables to eat first right do what's you know i i often i mean the solar is i think of it as, as often thought it's often the flag it's what is visible it's what you know emotionally like i'm producing energy yeah. it's really it's exciting in a it way is, that yeah. air sealing just honestly isn't right yeah a lot of my pre- presentations i end with a photo of the guys installing you know like like the solar is, panels the solar panels because yeah. it's like i walk out and go hey guys and they're all smiling yeah and they all like you know they all huddle around it like it's a you know, yeah. like a, you know, it's like if, I, if they were just like putting up, you know, installing a window, I'm like, hey guys, yeah, <laughs> right. cheers, they look at me like, hey, yeah, right. you know, it's like, yeah. so there is, there's that, there is that something about it that you really feel, there's a, there's a good, there's a good feeling, sunshiny feeling, I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Or maybe that's your beer. <laughs> but, it's, but it's good. Uh, yeah, so, so I'll tell you what, let's, let's take a short break. Well. Oh yeah. Oh no, no, no. Well, go ahead, go ahead. okay. So the, finishing up the space heating conversation. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then you. I have one and more. Then, oh, okay. <laughs> so you need the wall. You need the HRV. You need low temperature distribution. That's really important. And and down into the. So we're not we're not talking baseboards now. We're talking radiant slabs or something. Radiant slabs, maybe okay. With, uh, staple up, but yeah. you know, and staple up the temperatures are, are getting up there. So radiant right. slab is the best application. You need the most efficient boiler that makes, you know, you don't do, don't do solar before you get the, the modulating condensing gas boiler. Right. And this is really important. I've seen so many systems that aren't well designed and integrated mm-hmm. and are just really poorly engineered. And when you're talking about, you know, spending all this money and, and a, even if you do all these things first, you get to a system that, hasn't been well thought out um that the gas boiler is coming on all the time anyway yeah um it, it takes some thought to design and i really honestly caution people against that space heating application for solar thermal unless they've got somebody who's done a lot of them before and right. and can really stand behind it because it takes some real commitment and some real design work to make that happen not just not just well, I'll slap up more panels, right? And, exactly. and do more heat, more, right. take care of more. Yeah. I'll put in a giant tank, and what if I have a five thousand gallon tank? And... What if I go to ten? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. I'll do twice yeah. as. I'll do twice yeah. as good. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the. We'll start with the dreaded P word, payback. Oh you know, God! We, oh, we no. hate this, but oh. everyone asks that. So no, we, no, no. That's, and, that's and, the language everyone yeah. uses. Yeah, you know, so even, even I, I do. it's right after. Oh, how much is this going to cost per square foot? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, they ask, don't get me started. Asking the wrong questions, <laughs> yeah. right? Homes. Right. Um, but Pat, people ask you that all the time, and know they do. You know, the, what's the payback of this? Right. What, what do you, years? What do you I, say? Okay, so here's first. We're, uh, you know, among among the design crowd, among the people that are out talking to clients about about energy. This is one of my pet peeves. We need to very quickly steer the conversation away from the term payback because the, the term payback is the wrong. It's the wrong term. 
And I don't say that from like an eco geek perspective. I say that from like my father's an accountant. I say that from an accounting perspective because the payback, the idea of a payback is okay. You, you, you spend $10,000 and it saves you a thousand dollars a year on energy costs. That's the back of the back of the envelope, rough and dirty number. And you say, Oh, it's a 10 year payback, right? Well, okay. That's really misleading at first because it, it makes you think that you have to sit around for 10 years waiting for something to happen. And then at this magical time, 10 years from now, you'll have paid back. Right. And then it's free. And then it's free. Okay. That's the first thing. What the second thing is that assuming what cost of energy, are you right. assuming mm-hmm. today's, well, cost. today's cost right. of energy? Right. Okay. Well, look, there's some huge demographic trends that are pushing the price of energy up. None of the demographic trends are push, pushing the price of energy down. The population's getting more. The, the, what population there is is using more resources, and the resources are dwindling. All of those things are, are huge mountains that are pushing the price of energy up. So why would you pick, why would you pick today's price of energy? That's completely random. And because you know it. Because you know it. Right. It's easy to fit in the back of the envelope. But it's completely an unrepresentative, um, and honestly, it makes less difference with the solar panels than it does with the wall. Because the wall, you're stuck with for the 88 years. With the solar panels, at least you can pop them up when the price of energy gets high. But making those long-term energy investments based on today's price of energy without looking at these big demographic trends that are in place is crazy. But the other thing to think about is... Return on investment is a much better metric to use. Yeah, we say that all the time. But yeah, don't yeah. don't say payback. Say return on investment. Mm-hmm. That's the metric that makes sense. How quickly is this? That ten year payback has a ten percent return on investment, right? Yeah. You're taking that ten thousand dollars and getting a thousand dollars back every year. That's pretty good. Yeah. And if we phrase it that way and let people understand it that this is a, a financial investment that they're making, um, we'll be much more likely to make good, sound financial investments. One thing I always, you know, is I ask, well, are you getting a 30-year mortgage for this thing? I mean, because a lot of of people, you know, they'll put some money down, you know, it's a construction loan, put some money down, then they they get a loan for the rest, and that's, you know, over 30 years. So it's sort of like you're going to immediately increase the value of your house, you know, from day one. And like you said, this, this, uh, you know, renewable system is going to start offsetting your immediate costs from day one and you know your your amortization is over 30 years so you know if you you know put on your accountant hat and start doing that then all of a sudden they oh it makes sense and then they walk away and feel like hey did he just pull one on us you know did he just you know do work numbers magic to make it look you know to argue his case but you know i i think it's there's that immediate return on the investment it's saving you now Right. I mean, and that's that's the other really important one to push towards. And and the way I, I think about it is, is it cash positive today? City of Portland just did something really exciting. They did a um, an ESCO. Yeah. You know, but often with the ESCO, what's ESCO stand for? I, I Energy know. Service Performance Contract, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, with a P. No, uh, that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll look it up during okay. the break. We'll uh, Google it. As, we'll yes. Google it. Yeah. Um, Sheila will do that. Thanks, Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. But what most people do when they do these ESCOs is they, they, they pluck the lowest hanging fruit and get things with really quick returns. Mm-hmm. What the city of Portland did was they said, we want to be break-even year one. We want to do as many projects as we can and mm-hmm. work our way way down the 
the or up the food pyramid. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so that when we the very first year when we start paying interest and principal on the loan and we're saving energy, those two things cancel out. Exactly. Because what happens the second year? The it's price of energy goes up, yeah. and now all of a sudden they're putting money in the bank. So mm -hmm. the concept is, what is cash positive year one? If it's if it's break even year one, chances are good in the life of the investment it's going to be a really sound one because of these I, more mice, less cheese is what I... More mice, less more cheese. We've got more <laughs> mice, we got less cheese. What's going to happen to the price of cheese? Going up, buddy. It's going up. Yeah. So make it cash neutral the first year, and you're you've got a really good investment. Fantastic. That's great. It's really good talk. Thank you. So we're we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back for the next half of the show. No half. I'm kidding. <laughs> you're listening to the Green Architects Lounge podcast, hosted by Chris Briley and Phil Kaplan. Chris is the principal architect at the Green Design Studio in Yarmouth, Maine. And Phil is a principal of Kaplan Thompson Architects in Portland, Maine. The theme music is Zelda's Theme by Perez Prado. If you'd like to request a topic for the program, would like to comment on a previous episode, or if you just want to let us know you're listening, Chris and Phil would love to hear from you. You can email them at galounge at yahoo.com. Now back to the Green Architects Lounge. And we're back uh, with us again, uh, or uh, in case you went to the bathroom or something there and, and forgot, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Pat Kuhn from Revision Energy is with us. Um, also, uh, I'd like to take this time to say that if you uh, want to contact us, you can always contact us at uh, galounge at yahoo.com. But a funner place is after this airs on the Green Building Advisor to go to the greenbuildingadvisor.com. Log into the Design Matters blog and, and uh, join in in the conversation and let them know that you like the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, please go to foxnews.com. <laughs> you have a problem with their programming. So, Pat, uh, yes. let's talk about uh, – uh, we're talking about solar uh, thermal, of course, and what could go wrong? Where are some common mistakes out there? Maybe, maybe mistakes okay. – you know, from your past, oh, way, way oh, yeah. your past, maybe, yeah. yes, or, or maybe what you've seen others. Yeah, do. oh, I haven't actually made, made any, any right. mistakes myself. Uh, no, we, I mean, you know, the we, interesting we, thing, we the recorded fun... what you said before. Oh, because... shoot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fun thing about being in a new industry is there's no, there's nobody to call, right? Like, yeah. does this work? Ex <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, right. I guess I'll put it up and I'll see. Right. So that's mm -hmm. that's what we did. Um, well, let me start with what doesn't fail. The, everybody okay. asks the question: Is this gonna? Is my roof gonna leak? And I don't know. Really? Uh, that's that's one. Of, that's the everybody. No, nah, maybe not a, a lot of people. Okay. But they'll of the I don't know thousand two thousand roofs we have. We've not had a single roof leak. Because they just imagine you're gonna you're gonna go you're up gonna there. You're, you're the gonna just hole. drill yeah. something yeah. through to their roof and it's just and gonna, walk away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, that's really great. We had, a, we had a call the other day. A guy was convinced that you know. He called called up. There's water rushing into my. It's, <laughs> it's you pouring down, and we were like, "I'm really sorry, but um, you know, it, it could have been us. I'm not going to say it isn't us, but but unlikely. It's very unlikely, and it's pretty. It turns out it's pretty easy to seal uh, all the kinds of penetrations that you have. To oh make. yeah. So that's the the one thing that. Doesn't that goes seem, right. Doesn't, okay. Yeah, it seems to go well. The things that can go wrong, actually, solar hot water is pretty tricky because you've got um, 
a large elevation mm -hmm. difference. So getting air out of the system, bubbles get trapped in the system, mm -hmm. and um, if they can't get out of the system, mm -hmm. they the pump can no longer pump through an airlock. Um, and what happens when when that when that goes wrong? I mean, what what's the? It, it's not catastrophic, but it's or is it? It it can be depending yeah. on how the rest of the system was put together. But if you can't pump through the system, you can't take the heat away. Ah, so it can really build and up. Then you can that, yeah. then you can wreak havoc. So getting the air out is really a tough thing. Mm -hmm. um, making sure the system doesn't leak in your oil boiler or gas boiler. You've got something called a fast fill that introduces more water into the system if a little leak lets a little bit of water out. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't do that with a solar system because you'd be diluting the antifreeze mixture. Mm -hmm. So you'd be constantly letting water in. When too much water came in, it would then freeze. Hmm. So making sure you get systems that are really, really leak-free is another huge challenge. The first one, getting the air out, we've found it, the best way to do it is using um, a scrubber in the basement. We used to put high vents on the roof, mm -hmm. but uh, the first time the system stagnates, which means it goes to steam, mm -hmm. you know, power failure on a nice sunny day, all of a sudden you've got 350 degree antifreeze on your roof. Mm -hmm. If you've got a little piece of plastic up on the roof that lets the air out, mm -hmm. well, that distorts and melts and then lets, lets all the glycol out. Right. Um, so they, we use a, a micro bubble remover in the basement, and that seems to do a really good job. And then also filling the system, the tricks to making sure you get the bubbles out there. Hmm. Um, what else? How about solar dump? I, you, I hear that, I mean, even while I'm working on projects, you know, like, you know, like the client will figure out, oh, you're supposed to provide or do this, you know, do their homework, and you're supposed to have a solar dump. You're supposed to take a solar dump. So <laughs> I had to say it. I'm sorry, Sheila. You have to take, so, take that out, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you have when you have this solar dump, I mean, I mean, some of your systems today, I mean, you don't need to do that, or you need you you have that same need to to deal with the issue of of overheating. Of overheating yeah. Even okay. so, the problem can happen in normal circumstances when. You, someone goes away for a week in August, and mm -hmm. it's really sunny, and the tank just heats up, heats up, heats up. And a well-designed system will overheat after about three or four days, really hot days of no use. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of the first day, it'll be 140 degrees in the tank. The end of the second day, 160. Then, just, mm -hmm. then when the tank hits 210 degrees, the pressure temperature relief at the top mm -hmm. blows. Mm -hmm. And when a pressure temperature relief valve blows on temperature, it generally empties the whole tank. So there's 80 or 105 or 160 gallons of steam of really hot water. Yeah. The, the question is, how do you get avoid that from happening? The other things that can happen is a, you can have a pump fail, you can have a sensor fail, or you can have power fail. Mm -hmm. Any of those things will stop heat from being removed from the system. And we this is one of the biggest problems, the biggest challenges of solar hot water that we struggled with for years. And for a long time, every time there was a power failure on a sunny day, we would get eight phone calls and we'd have to go out and recharge eight systems because they'd dump the antifreeze all over the basement and um, make a big mess. Yikes. Um, but then we kind of came up with something called Steamback, mm -hmm. which was really a huge innovation. What Steamback does is 
when any of those things go wrong, the tank gets too hot, so the pump shuts off, the power fails, the sensor fails, whatever, the system is simply designed to passively absorb the steam that create is created on the roof. And it really doesn't take that much. You just properly size an expansion tank mm -hmm. and put it someplace where... Um, on the right side of the check valve, essentially, so that the steam from the roof pushes down into the system, and that fluid goes into the expansion tank. Right. And, and it's not that much. I mean, like people think that, oh, I've got this this evacuate all these evacuate tubes up there. There must be gallons and gallons and gallons of water up there, when really there's not. Right. Right. I mean, Five like, gallons, typical yeah. system size, and when 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 the collectors go to steam. Mm -hmm. Basically, about a teaspoon of fluid in vapor form is left in the collectors, and all the rest of the antifreeze goes down where it won't get hurt. The problem is not that the copper will, you know, 350 degrees isn't anything to copper. It's nothing to to solder. It's nothing right. to. It's just something to antifreeze. And if if this if it doesn't push out and get out of there, it will degrade the antifreeze. Right. The antifreeze will become acidic and then start attacking the copper. So that's where you have to do something. And we for a while we did a, a bunch of dump systems. Mm -hmm. We did passive dumps. We did active dumps. We had ground loop dumps, and then we just came up with this thing called Steamback, and it solved all the problems and has been working really well for three or four years now. Great. Well, I I've got a. I've got a. Um, is it a hot zig or is it a? No, no, it's a six-digit idea. Okay, I've got, that's what I've got. Better. I'm not still right, entirely well, I might sure have a hot the zig. Well, I might have a hot zig for you. Well, All you right, might, so this look. is a six-digit idea. Mine's a six-digit idea, which means I'm glad you asked. Pat. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, this is we should have a sound effect for this. I've got a six-digit idea. Ka-ching! Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll find a real one. Sheila's on that. Anyway. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, it feels like, no. All right. <laughs> I, I like that. Okay. Cha -ching, you like yeah, Cha-ching. Cha -ching. Cha okay. Uh, and that is basically an idea that uh, would make you, if you took it, ran with it, turned it into business, you'd get, make at least six digits. Okay. Or more yeah. off of that. So, actually, you know, now I think about this, this is going to be hard-pressed to make six digits. Maybe four. Five. Five. Four. four. I don't know. Okay. It's splash pots. Yeah, Thessy, blank expression. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Okay, do you know how many times I've... Okay, like, I'm not a fan... You're not a fan of gutters, right, Phil? You I know, no. Okay. And, very frequently. Right, and same here. And, and and up here in the north, that's basically because if you, if you, you, you know, you've got ice dams and things like that, gutters are kind of to be shunned because they just collect debris and, yeah, you know, ice and, and all that. And if we... problems to happen. Right, if you handle dewatering of your site really well, then you don't need them. But... Because I am an architect and we, we tend to do this, we always uh, shed, we seem to push all the water, shed it right off uh, where you enter the house. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I try to avoid it like, like the plague, but mm -hmm. it seems like 50% of my houses, uh, you enter right where, I don't know, all these water things. So, I, so you put a gutter over yeah. just where you're walking. And so what I, because I despise gutters, I just want to have an, an, an open end, you know, an open end gutter. Because I don't want the downspouts, you know, plugging up and all that jazz and, you know, what a mess. And plus they're ugly. Downspouts are ugly. I can make a gutter look nice, but I, the downspouts are harder. So here it is. You have an open gutter across like an entrance or across an area. And, and the, so the water comes is now concentrated and it comes out and it hits the ground. And so there, and you need something to catch it, right? 
And you know, you've seen water chains. You know, that kind of seems like a. You know, I kind of like those sort of when they freeze. But otherwise, that I don't know, dorky. But, but that's not, I'm okay. Anyway, uh, but imagine like a vase, a nice, beautiful like urn, like vase or whatever. But at the bottom is drilled out, and there's like a, a plumbing fitting so it can you know fasten to your drain tile and go to the you know the the drain system around your house. So you've got these little pots that can handle stormwater retention and they you know so like the water can just splash in them and be completely harmless and nice and they look good and splash pots i did one no okay yeah but, but wouldn't it be cool like see i've i've done i've done how one. much richer are you for it? yeah exactly <laughs> but you didn't take it to market and negative it... <laughs> all right no, that's great. Yeah. So it's a really and original we actually idea. Did a, you know, we tried the chain actually, and yeah. the chain didn't really work. Really oh, really? Well. We were, I we were was... sort of suspicious of it and mm. didn't trust it, so we actually ended up making a downspout. We made it out of Corten steel and it looked kind of nice. Beautiful. Wait, it was a downspout? Yeah. But he's not talking about downspouts. No, but then it ended up in a, it sort of stopped short, short of the splash pot. Well, um, and, and that... then there was a hole that actually led to the drying rain tile. And, Right, but you had to make it yourself. You had to cobble it together. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, why, yeah, why can't I go to Home thing. Depot and choose a beautiful... Well, maybe not Home Depot. But yeah, sure. Go to a nice place. You know, go to the Lawn and Garden Center. There's a beautiful, you know, pot thing. But on the bottom, there's a nice little fitting for... Dude, you can fun. make four digits on that. You yeah. Know, at least made, make okay. a grant. So wait, I'm still confused. I think Does the it, water I think come out horizontally or vertically? Well, okay, like you have you have a gutter. Yeah. Yeah. And usually there's ends to a gutter and then it goes down a downspout. Yeah. yeah. But I like an open gutter, which means there's no ends. It just, you know, the, the water, I'm gesticulating with my hands. No one out there I can see. I'm doing it for Pat. I can see. You. Okay. So, so like the water fills the gutter and just pours out the ends. It just, so you can walk mm-hmm. under where the gutter is and not get rained on. But the, it doesn't turn down. It just goes out. No, it just goes out. And, but see, but now the yeah. water needs mm-hmm. to fall harmlessly in a right. nice little pot. I, okay. I, was, I was smiling because you were, as you were describing it, it was the exact situation that this happened in Falmouth. We had a hidden gutter and then we didn't have the downspout. We had the chain at first and we had the drop pot. Nice. Great minds, Phil. Great minds. Think alike. Awesome. And by the way, uh, Pat, Pat is the man who single-handedly shot down uh, one of my uh, nice six-digit ideas from an earlier podcast. I was that happy red balloon from that beautiful book from long ago. Was, was and he leaf? just... Pulled out a howitzer, yeah, and just shot it down. Yeah, <laughs> that one wasn't a very good idea. I don't think. Well, yeah, share with my list. Okay, so I'm so I'm like, oh, we got this new podcast. It's, you know, six digit idea, blah blah blah. Uh, hey, I got a great idea, Pat. Here's how it went. I'm like, Pat, it's the leaf baler. Yeah, yeah, a leaf pelletizer, ter- basically turning your your lawn waste into fuel. And then he says, uh, what did I say? Oh, it's um. You're, you're telling me uh, bad ideas. What you said. Yeah. So leaves. When you look at fuel, yeah. There's a there's an ash content, mm-hmm. and the more bark and leaves you get in pellets, for example, mm-hmm. the more the higher the ash content, the lower the fuel value. And leaves, I don't know, but I'm guessing that leaves would be like you know 50 percent ash content. So you. So you just smolder and. You just smolder and, and yeah. All right. I'm depressed. Make it's great. I mean, we we compost our leaves and exactly, yeah. That's makes okay. So great compost mixer. Wait, so, so it's another place for it. Can I can I try one? Yeah, well, let please. me run this by. Pat. Is this the is this the six digit idea or is this, it, this is the hot zig? All right, hot zig, hot zig, right. Which we don't have a. All right, so oh, I preliminarily designed this into a project. So okay. hopefully you can tell me whether it's a really bad idea. Uh, solar hot water. Evacuated tubes, using them not just as overhangs, but using them as a trellis. We had a trellis design. I said, mm-hmm. you know, 
And then we were going to put the solar hot water on top of it. I said, mm-hmm. why don't we get rid of the wood? And why don't we just double the manifolds and remove every other tube? So the thing would have more space in between the tubes. Well, why do you feel like you need more space? I'm, I'm just Cause, playing. Because it, it looks cooler. Okay. Yeah, because there's space in between because it approximates the rhythm of the actual sticks in the trellis as opposed to one right up against the other. And you'd have some light filtering through. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be solid. It would just feel lighter. So, but you'd need to buy twice as many manifolds. Twice as many manifolds, yeah. For your... Right, for the same number of tubes. That can be done. So, so it's like here... Yeah. gesticulating again. Yeah, he's got yeah. his hands up. Um, yeah. And and you want <laughs> light down shape. below? Yeah, you see, I, my, if you can see what I'm doing now, <laughs> I have my fingers together. You know, here's the church, here's the steeple. I was just going to say, yeah, and and there's the yeah. people. All right, so my fingers are together, the church and the steeple, and I move one hand out of the way. The church falls down. <laughs> <laughs> this is going nowhere. You're not a structural engineer. I don't want to even hear it from you. What, what he's saying is he, 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 wants, he wants light. To, he wants yeah, no, the water. I, I that. No, that'll yeah. work. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. Um, so what's another a manifold extra grand or something in the whole less yeah alright alright you're All right. I like okay. it it's gonna look cool it will look cool I'm excited to see I'll how that post the render you have to plug you'd have to plug, plug the, the, the manifolds of the yeah you lose yeah. a lot of heat otherwise yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. alright okay folks uh, that's it for this episode thank you Pat for sharing beer and uh, thank you Phil uh, you have to do your seg- your last segment and take us out with a song. What do we got? <laughs> last but not least. I always end this thing, Pat, but mm-hmm. you know, I hope people make it to the end because they're little jewels that I'm very proud of. What's today's jewel? Today is uh, Joanna Newsom. Ah. Uh, I don't know if you know Joanna Newsom, but I think sort of a, what, she's in the Drag City label. Mm-hmm. Harp. She plays harp. Beautiful. Oh, my, my daughter plays harp. Does she really? Yeah, she does. Yeah, She's getting well, good at it. Maybe uh, she'll she'll like this. Then. All that. Great. I'm excited. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know. Really, just uh, theatrical and very interesting and intricate uh, music. And if you know Kate Bush, do you remember Kate Bush? For some reason, she always reminded me of Kate Bush, especially this new album. Like like her voice, or like... yeah, you have to hear it. Okay, you'll, you'll hear it in a second. Uh, anyway, the new album—it's actually a triple CD. Oh boy! How awesome is that? It's called "Have One on Me." Excellent. It's been much anticipated, and the song is called "81." And it's sort of apostrophe eighty-one, like nineteen eighty-one. Oh, it makes it harder to look up. That's no. right. <laughs> <laughs> on iTunes. Okay. So, uh, uh, look it up on iTunes. Joanna Newsom, eighty-one. Chris, Pat, it's been a pleasure. Bill, Pat. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Uh, see you later, everybody. Bye-bye. The same. I tilled it with my two hands and I called it my very own. There was no one to dispute my claim. Well, you'd be shocked at the state of
Oh, no. 